Open your Bibles, if you would, as you remain standing to the book of Philippians, chapter number 4. Philippians chapter number 4, and we've been making our way through the book of Philippians, and, and I've, got, I've got my Bible up here, but Tim, I left my Bible Bible sitting right there. Can you grab that for me, please? Thank you, sir. We've been making our way through the book of Philippians, and here we come to the uh, finalization. <clears throat> Next week, we will end this study by God's grace, but we've been uh, working our way through. And the subject that I keep coming back to as we uh, uh, move our way through this book is that of practical Christian living. <clears throat> and often when the subject, uh, such as tonight, in supportive fellowship, uh, let's just use a word that sometimes we don't like to use, giving. Giving. When that subject comes up, oftentimes um, people instinctively only think in regards to money. <clears throat> but uh, there's a whole lot more to giving than simply money. The second thing, oftentimes, that people uh, get their minds focused in on in the subject of giving is how much they're giving. Maybe I give X amount of dollars, or I give a lot of time, or I do a lot. Uh, and so what we want to look at this, this morning, as we get into this, Paul commends the Philippian believers here in this, these, uh, this latter portion of the book he commends them for not only the gift or their, uh, the act of giving, but for their heart, for their heart. Let's take a look <clears throat> as we read here, starting in verse number 14. It says, Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Thank you, Father, for your word. Bless now our hearts to its reading and to its application. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you. you. May be seated. <clears throat> when we look at this passage here, an, an interesting thing: Paul commends them for giving to him, giving on uh, uh, in more of an act of need, and they they sent, as it were, maybe a care package, perhaps some finances, whatever it may have been. We're not completely privy to the things that uh, were sent to them. Uh, to him by the Philippian church, but what we do know is that Paul was in need, and here he finds himself in prison. He finds himself uh, lacking certain things, and again, we've talked about this before. This was not the type of prison that you see today. Uh, he didn't have cable TV, four square meals a day, and and a uh, nice comfy bed. He had probably just a dirt floor, rock, something along those lines. 
as as things continued to go on, he did have uh, uh, ability and access to certain things. But at this moment, he finds himself in prison and in need. He is not able to go out and work and, and develop uh, a, uh, a salary of any sort. And he finds himself in need. And the Philippian people sent a care package by way of Epaphroditus to Paul. And he says to them, basically, thank you. Thank you. Now, if, if we look at this for very long, we can quickly see a couple things that stand out to us. Number one, uh, they gave to the servant of the Lord. We often do this type of thing, just as this past week we had a guest speaker in. Uh, not too long ago, we had a guest missionary in. And uh, we have uh, different opportunities for us to give to people who are uh, in need. Uh, uh, we have missionaries that are in uh, uh, foreign lands. We look at what we're getting ready to accomplish by God's grace with these joy bags by sending gifts uh, uh, overseas to different people. And this is something that kind of stands out to us. Uh, but I don't necessarily want to just focus in on the giving so much as the heart of the giver that we find in this passage. Now, I want you to, that, to notice that it was not simply a financial aid that was sent to him. It was a partnering. It was a, a partnership of sorts. Too often we wait to be asked. Think about this for just a minute. We wait to be asked for what is necessary or what is needed. But the mind of the believer should be proactive to needs. I want you to notice what he says there in verses 14 and 15. It was not, uh, 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 excuse me, I just started reading my notes. That's not scripture. Um, look at verse 14. Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning uh, of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. Communication is a word that is being used here uh, for sort of, uh, we've, we've seen it in other places, your conversation, let your conversation. It is a word that basically brings the idea of a partnership. You, you don't have communication as far as a conversation unless <coughs> excuse me, both parties are involved. Both parties have to be involved. You have to have the speaker as well as the hearer. And then you have to have the responses giving back and forth. And this is what Paul was talking about. Think about it for just a moment from this perspective. It would be kind of boring for me to stand on a platform and preach the message of Jesus Christ with nobody being here. So there needs to be a cooperation taking place. As I am proclaiming God's word, as I am presenting the truth found in God's word, you are, 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 are assimilating it. But there should not be this idea of, uh, of a one-sided uh, approach to anything. There's a communication that takes place, and Paul refers to them as having done this with his needs. He says, he says you were the only ones to work with me in the gospel, to work with me in the gospel. Now, I want you to think about this for just a minute from the idea of, of financial aid versus uh, uh, partnership. It is very easy for us to simply pull out a, 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 our wallet or to write a check and be finished. That's easy. 
A lot of times we look and we think to ourselves, well, you know, uh, uh, giving to the work of the Lord is hard, Pastor Andy. You know, it's hard for me to let go of that dollar. You know, I'll be honest with you, letting go of the dollar is not the difficult thing. Maintaining an, a, a heart and a mind focused on the person that I'm sending the dollar to, that's a different story. I think many times we get in our minds the idea of missions is simply writing a check and we become nothing more than a glorified ATM for people. But Paul said, you didn't just send, you communicated with my affliction. You partnered with me. And so we look at this and we think to ourselves that what Paul is pointing something out of the Philippian believers here, that they didn't wait to be asked. They just took it upon themselves and did. You know, I made the statement, and I'll make it again. Too often we wait to be asked, but the mind of the believer should be proactive to need. Let's look at it from this perspective. I talk a lot about the image of Christ, and, and I believe that it is one of the most uh, unobserved doctrines in all of Scripture, the Imago Dei. But I want you to think for just a second from this perspective of the Imago Dei. If I am to be in the image of God then I want to be proactive the way God is. Take yourself back to the garden for just a moment, to the Garden of Eden. And Adam and Eve uh, are in the garden, and they uh, were given one rule, don't eat that. And what did they do? They ate that. And then what was their next step? To hide. Now, did, did God wait for Adam and Eve to come to him and say, uh, we messed up? No. God went to them. He took it upon himself. He says, I know that there's a need and I will go to them. He was proactive in his approach. He did not wait for mankind to come seek him. The Bible lets us know Paul himself wrote it down. He says that there's none that seeketh after God. He says, none of them want God. They just want the effects of God. He says, there's none that seeketh after God. This is the thing that we have to really focus in on. We've got to be honest with ourselves, folks. Do we want God? Or do we just want the effects of God? There's many people who say, I want to be blessed by God. I want to be, I want to be protected by God. I want to be provided for by God. I want to enjoy all that God has to offer me. I want to have a home in heaven because of God. But do you honestly want God? That's the question that we need to ask ourselves. Most people don't want God. They want what God can give them. They want the blessings. It's evident in the way, I just turn the television on for a minute and find a preacher. <laughs> You'll find it pretty quick. Send in uh, $999.95 and I'll send you a prayer cloth. And whatever you pray for is going to come true. <laughs> uh, we've got to get it to where we want him. The natural man doesn't want him. The natural man just wants what he can provide. But the mind of Christ is a proactive mind, and so ought the mind of the believer be a proactive mind. We looked through all of this as we made our way through this book. If you remember the, uh, chapter number one, the life of the believer for me to live is Christ. As we have made our way through this book, have you examined your life? Is your life 
Christ. I didn't ask if your life had Christ in it. I didn't ask if your life included Christ. Is your life Christ? And then chapter 2, we find for me to live as Christ, and then it follows up with uh, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Is your mind the mind of Christ? Do you mind the things of God or the things of yourself? And then that I may know him. And so we have the desire of the believer being the knowledge of him. But then we also have the, uh, the strength of the believer, which is found in verse 13 of chapter 4 here. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. And then Paul begins to give an example of that. Understand what partnership is all about. Because we must learn initiative. Now, people like the thought of partnership, don't they? Now, get it from this perspective. Get it from this idea. You ready for this? I got to quit saying perspective. I just noticed I said perspective again. Must be a, I must have read something on perspective this week, and now it's stuck in my head, and I got perspective. But catch this idea. You ready? People want to complain about other people not including them in the decision-making process, right? Take yourself back to work. My boss never checks with me first. My, they, they, didn't, they didn't ask me if I wanted that. They didn't talk to me, and I could have given them a better idea. But do you also want the responsibility when it tanks? That's a whole different ball of wax, isn't it? Do you want the responsibility uh, when, uh, well, you know, I want to be, be heard. I want to have my say. Do you want the same responsibility when things go, go crashing down? See, people like the idea of partnership, but understand, partnership means responsibility. Partnership means that you are going to take responsibility. In today's consumer mentality, uh, it makes it that where people are so afraid to partner with one another because I don't want to have responsibility. I just want to take, 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 take. I want to have things given to me, give to me, give to me. And I'm, I'm here to consume. I wonder how it would work out, you know, if we were to go to the grocery store and instead of just putting that, you know, I'm walking through the grocery store. This goes through me. I don't know if you all like it or not, or you all, probably y'all do it. But you walk through the store and it's like, oh, I need bread. And then you get bread and you make it three aisles down the way and you go, you know what, I didn't need that bread. Do you turn around and go back and put it where you found it? I know I'm in the dairy aisle but I don't need that bread. Well, that's what they're paid for, right? <laughs> and we just kind of, anyway, here's how we do it, though. We don't make, we don't make like a, hey, I'll, I'm going to put this over here so y'all can put it. No, what we do is we, right, right? Yeah, y'all laughing because you've been the ones doing it. It drives me nuts. You're walking down, and it's like, why are tortillas over here next to the pop? Because uh, apparently someone decided they didn't want tortillas anymore. And I wonder what would happen if we just, uh, all of us worked together. Maybe I wouldn't be paying five bucks for tortillas if I didn't have to pay the stock boy to restock everything. Now, let's bring that back to the house of God. Bring that back to the household of faith. 
Partnership means responsibility. I do not come here for what you can do for me. I come here for what I can do for him. I don't attach myself to Liberty Bible Church so that Liberty Bible Church can make my life better. I partner with Liberty Bible Church so that Liberty Bible Church can make me more like him and so that I can be a benefit to the body. That's what the Apostle Paul is praising in this. He is not... Uh, He is not praising, oh, look at how much you sent me, send more. He says, you partnered with me. You came alongside me. If you see something that needs done, do it. You know, we've we've been trying to teach our kids, you know, take responsibility for certain things. And, you know, you, you know what it's like. If you take your bowl to the sink, you got one bowl one bowl, one. Why is it when I come to the sink, there's 85? There's one bowl. Rinse it, wipe it, dry it, put it back in. Well, that's what we got a dishwasher for. Well, his name ain't Andy. It's Whirlpool, and it's off limits now. You know, if we just simply take responsibility for the one part, if I'm walking through the parking lot, here's 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 the thing. We got ladies that clean these buildings, and God bless them. I'm so thankful for them. But when we're walking through, and I look over in the parking lot, and there's a gum wrapper there, there's a candy bar wrapper there. Somebody needs to clean up this pigsty. God opened your eye to it. Bend down and pick it up. Partnership means responsibility. I want you to notice a couple other things in this. Notice the way in which Paul accepts this with grace. Paul is deeply touched. Deeply touched. Look at verse 16 and 17. It says, For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto me, uh, unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that it may abound to your account. Paul accepts this gift with grace. He is deeply touched, but he is careful, very careful, not to invite more. He's not, he's not trying to say, look, you, need, you, you did it, and I want you to do it again and again and again and again and again. That's not what he's saying. No. What he's saying is you did it, and I'm thankful that you did it. And I'm thankful that it's evidence of God's work in your life. It's evidence of God's work. Giving that is improperly motivated should be discouraged. I remember hearing a pastor speaking one time and he talked about um, uh, how uh, a lady came to his office uh, one day and she wanted to talk about salvation. He talked with her. She ended up getting saved, coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ as her personal Savior, gloriously transformed. And then uh, they were getting ready to part ways, and she was getting ready to leave the office. And he, she pulls out her checkbook, and she says, I want to I make an offering to the church. Who do, I, uh, who do I write this out to? And he said, stop right there. Put your checkbook away. I don't want you. I don't want you giving anything right now. If you want a tithe or something, you can do that on Sunday. 
but I don't want you giving anything right now. And somebody may say, well, that's kind of harsh, isn't it? He did not want her walking out of that office thinking she paid for what just took place. And so giving that is improperly motivated, whether it's purposeful or not, ought to be discouraged. Paul did this. If you look at 2 Corinthians 11 and 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, you'll find this. That Paul discouraged the Corinthians and the, and the Thessalonians from giving to them. He says, I didn't want to be a burden to any of you. But here in the, in the, with the church of, Philippian, uh, of the Philippian believers, he, he says, it's, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. I needed it. I want you to check, check out what's, what's taking place here. As far as not only, uh, not only is it the that he is uh, willing to accept it, but that acceptance testifies to the character of their giving. As children of God, we are called to serve, and it's time for us to honestly learn to be servants and not the servees. But quite often we get ourselves in that place where, all right, I showed up today. What have you got for me? What can you do for me? I didn't like the way that that song went. I wish you'd sing more of this style. I wish you would wear this instead of that. I wish you would provide donuts. I do too, but that's a fat boy's wish. Where's the coffee, preacher? How come we don't have this going on? How come we don't have that? No, we're called to be servants. Listen, (laughs) pastor doesn't mean much apart from servant. I'm a shepherd, and guess what shepherds do? Have you ever thought... Think about this for a minute. We, we used to live in a, a, a suburbia. We used to live in a subdivision. And it never ceases to amaze me. I was talking to Jeff about this the other day. You know, people, we go and we walk, people walking their dogs with a bag in their hand. Think about it. You know what they're doing. They're walking their dog and they're carrying that bag in their hand. If anybody was watching those people, they'd be saying, now which one is in charge? Is the dog in charge or is the human in charge? People are like, well, the human's in charge. Duh. Well, you don't see the dog walking around with a bag. And here they go. They make their way through the neighborhood. I was one of those where I would use the bag and, you know, and be like, all right, well, that's done. And I'd throw it away five minutes later again. <laughs> you don't have another bag. What are you going to do, right? But think about that. Who's serving who? Shepherds. What do they do? They serve the sheep. And you know, the sad thing is a lot of us would rather be a sheep than a shepherd. I, I, don't, I don't want that responsibility. I, I don't want to be the one doing that. I'm okay coming, occupying my spot, and not doing anything else. I'm okay with that. 
I, I, I just, I'm, I'm happy being a sheep. I'm just going to sit over here, eat my grass, and you can come clean up after me. But we are not called to be that kind of person. We're called to be servants. Think about Jesus again, back to the image of God. What does he say? I did not come to be served, but to what? This is what Paul is excited about. This is what he's praising here. He says there in verse 18, he says, I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. He says what you did was well-pleasing to the Lord. He says, you have no idea how much it blessed my soul. Let's look at just a couple more things and we'll be finished. Number one, we need to learn that the, uh, what the result of giving really is. Look at the result here. Number one, the servant of God was relieved. Many times we simply free someone up. By taking uh, by by uh, taking some responsibility off their plate, I used to go in when I was uh, assistant pastor to Pastor Green. I'd go into his office and I'd say, "Pastor, is there anything I can do for you today to free you up?" Sunday morning would roll around, and and uh, you know if I if I knew that there was an issue, I I got there at eight o'clock in the morning. I did not want anybody to bring a, a problem to Pastor Green. I'd go, I'd go all over the place, make sure all the buses were running, make sure all the stuff was done. That was just in my nature. And I'd go and I'd say, okay, well, what, what is something I'd call him? Pastor, do you need anything to get in, in preparation for Sunday morning here? That was, that was what I, I, I felt my calling was. Many times we're freeing them up so that they can study and have their mind completely focused on the word of God by just taking something off their plate. But living a life of giving is living in the image of God. Now, notice this is not just giving financially. It could be giving of time. It could be giving of, of the abilities. We, we've heard it all over and over and over, time, talents, and treasures. And this is the type of giving that we ought to be involved in. But think about just, just for a second here. Think just for a moment how much we give versus how much we take. How much we give opposed to how much we ask for. We ask for an awful lot, at least I know I do. Maybe instead of uh, complaining that the Sunday school teacher didn't call you this week, maybe you contact him and say, hey, who do you want me to call on your behalf? Maybe instead of complaining that the, uh, there weren't enough chairs in the growth group's classroom, maybe you come in uh, a half hour early and you ask the Sunday school teacher, hey, why don't you let me go get that so you can keep on trucking with the lessons? We need to learn to be givers instead of takers. Learn to be a relief as opposed to not an addition to the to-do list. You know the kind of person, uh, you, maybe you've done it before, but you've got that one person at work, right? And you come into the office and you look and go, oh, Lord. Yeah, if you don't know that person, it's probably you. 
But you walk in and you go, oh my goodness, what are they going to ask for now, right, right? Do we do that at church too? We come walking into the church building, you know what, church starts at 11 o'clock, let's get there at 11.01 so nobody will ask me for anything. (laughs) What are we doing? What are we doing here? Many are quick to add to the list. But living a life of giving is living in the image of God. I want you to notice something really quickly here in verse 19. It says, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Do you know that living this life of giving is actually an act of faith? Do you realize that? Now, we can talk about giving financially. We can talk about investing our time. We can talk about investing our abilities. But I want you to get it from this angle. My God, he says, shall supply all, not just some of them, not just most of them. He says, my God shall supply all your needs. Do you believe that? Many of us will be happy to say, oh, I believe that God will supply all my needs. But then the moment that that, uh, uh, the, uh, um, there's somebody in the church that needs a, a, a helping hand or what have you, and you say, well, that'll take time, and, and I just don't have time. Do you believe God will supply that extra time later on? Well, you know, the, the missionary was in, and, and he is talking about a, a need that uh, came up in his, uh, uh, in his ministry, and I really feel like I should give, but if I give to that, then I'm, I'm not going to have enough left over for me. Do you believe God can supply your need later? Well, I, I know that there's projects need to be done over at the church or over at so-and-so's house. I, I know that that needs to be done. Uh, but man, I got projects I got to get done myself and I got to get this taken care of and that taken care of. And if I do this, uh, then then I won't be able to take care of that uh, at my house. And and do you believe that God will supply all your needs? You know, sometimes simply serving others is an act of faith in believing that if I do this, God, you're going to take care of. Me. Do we trust him? Do we believe him? God supplies, uh, listen, (laughs) he owns it all. He is the God of time. He is outside of it. I don't know about you, but there have been times where I have looked at, there's no way I'm going to get this accomplished today. There's absolutely no way possible that this week is going to go well if I go do that, but All right, Lord, you called me to serve. I'm going to go do that. I go do it. And lo and behold, I got the other stuff done as well. How is that possible? I've got a God who can supply time. I've got a God who can supply all needs. Let me ask you this question. What are you doing for the work of the Lord? Keep your hand right here in Philippians if you want to. We're going to jump back to the book of Mark. 
Mark chapter number 12. One of my favorite passages in all scriptures found right here in this chapter. Mark chapter number 12. And I want you to see this the way it's actually written because many times we read this passage and we just kind of skim past it. Oh, I've heard that story before. Oh, I've, I've read that passage before. Oh, I've heard that one preached on before. But we, we miss something. We miss something here. You ready for this? Mark chapter 12. Look at verse 41 with me, if you would, please. And Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. And many were rich, and many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples, and saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast out, out in there of their abundance. But she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. Look back at verse 41. He says, Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld the people. I'm a people watcher. I don't know if you're a people watcher or not. I'm a people watcher. I like to, you know, you sit there. You, when my wife wants to go to the mall, you know, it's like, let's go to the mall. And I'm like, yay. <sighs> so I find a bench. You know, I take her, especially if you go into one of those with the, those stores where all the odor, it just it permeates, and you walk out and you can't breathe for the next month because you walked into Bath and Body Works. You just walked in, and like your eyes start burning automatically. I'm like, I'll sit out here. Go ahead. Go ahead. So I just sit out there, and I, and I just watch, and here comes a dad with his kids, and, you know, this dad, he's, he's skipping with his daughter. Eh, that's cool. Good on you, dad. Here comes a husband and wife, and, and she's got her purse in her right hand, and her husband's on her right. She's got the purse in her right hand, so she doesn't have to hold her husband's hand because I'm not going to hold your hand today. <laughs> Pray for you. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I'm a people watcher. Now, this is the way I, I see Jesus right here. You see what it says there in verse 41? And Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld. And the way that the temple would have been set up was you had the treasury, and on the outside wall of the treasury were these big brass uh, tuba-looking things. Big brass funnels that would you'd put your offering in, and it would slide its way into the treasury boxes. And you had these uh, uh, people would come by, and have you ever heard the statement, tooting your own horn? This is where it comes from. Because people wouldn't come through. You know, it's like, oh, there's a big metal plate, and, and, and I'm going to make sure that it's... Uh, I got a $20 bill here, but I've also got, you know, several rolls of pennies, and that'll be louder. And so they go by, and bong, they drop their money into bong. You hear the clang and the clatter all around, and people go, oh, that was a lot. And, and so a little bit later, somebody else would come by, and he'd have his... And, you know, they wouldn't just kind of like, just kind of just set it there no they'd they'd come over and you know make a big parade and a spectacle of it and so you'd have one rich man come through and bong and people would look and then another rich person would come through bong and people would look and they'd notice what was going on and and jesus isn't reacting he's just watching all this happen and then all of a sudden this little widow woman comes along and 
read what happened. It says, And there came a certain widow woman, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing, and he called unto him his disciples. <laughs> I can see my Lord sitting over by the treasury, and he's seeing person after person throw their big offering and throw their big offering and then this one little widow woman drops two mites the smallest coins available jesus goes peter 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 get over here did you see that andrew shut up up. do you see what she just did threw in more than everybody. I didn't hear anything. Are you? That's my girl. That's my girl. I don't see him getting excited over the big loud bong. I don't see him getting excited over the rich guys dropping their offerings in. He calls his disciples over. Did did you see that? Why? Not because of the amount she gave, but because of the heart with which she gave. Many of us are happy to open up and, yeah, let's just get that done and over with. Bible lets us know that God loves a cheerful giver. A cheerful giver. Clarity. In other words, I'm excited to give. We get that note. Oh man, I don't want that call. I know they're going to ask me for something. Versus, oh, I know this call is going to be somebody wanting something. <laughs> Yellow. <laughs> you know, it's like you see that number and it's, you, I don't know that number. What do you want? No. When it's our brothers and sisters in Christ, we ought to be excited to give, to help. Let me ask you just a few questions and we'll be finished. Number one, what are you doing for the work of God? And number two, Where is your heart in what you're doing for the work of God? Well, Pastor, I'm not really doing anything, but I'm giving so other people can do. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Are you giving with a good heart about it? Pastor, I don't have a lot of money, but I've got time. And I'd be happy to do some stuff for you and for the church and for the people of the church. Is there there anybody that needs something? Praise the Lord. Do it with a good heart. I've been teaching for 400 years, Pastor, and I'm sick of it. Well, at least your heart's right. No, let's do it with a good heart. And then last, as I told you before, it's an act of faith. Do you trust God? Do you? To simply trust the Lord 
and do what he has asked us to do by serving one another. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you give us opportunities to show people you. You give to us opportunities to reveal you in us. I pray, Father, that we would be busy serving you, that we would be quick, Lord, to see the needs, to be proactive in this, see the needs of others, and jump on it. Father, we do not give or do because we are supposed to, but because we want to serve your children. I pray, Father, that we would honestly have that desire and that heart. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen.